0: Easy connected them drum bombs easy go connect them
1: drum bombs easy go connect them drum bombs now hear the word Hey, welcome back to the Barney Island Whitefish. I am Andrew and here with my dear friend Riley. <laughs> Hello. We're back to talk about Bones, baby. Bones. bones Watch. Season 5. Oh, it's Season Episode 5. Three? And Season 5 only. Only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a big Season 4 head? Get the fuck out of here with that.
0: Oh, sorry. You want to talk about when... Um... When uh, uh, FBI, there's a corrupt FBI conspiracy and it goes all the way to the president and they break into Booth's house and they shoot it up with Uzis. Again, another mystery that they're
1: able to solve with Bones. That's some <laughs> season eight shit. Fuck off. Don't want to hear about it. Oh, oh, you you recognize some of the characters that just appear in episode two and three of season five of Bones as though they've been there the whole time? Well, congratulations!
0: Oh yeah, there's a there's a new doctor that they uh, this episode, as far as I'm concerned, that they all refer to as though he's been there forever. That they make like a he's a black a, like a black doctor who's there to like be the butt of a bunch of
1: slavery jokes. Yeah, we'll get into that. It's <laughs> weird. We'll definitely get into that. But, uh, but um... Andrew,
0: you know what? Summer's beginning here in the UK. The air is now hot and heavy. Uh, the lockdown has been going on, and I feel like it's time, like I'm now experiencing... Uh, in fact, this is also related to what we were talking t- about before. I'm experiencing an emotion named after a Dutch cleaning product called <laughs> Dreft. And Dreft is... It's a Dutch cleaning product, product. it's that's you asked a, a Dutch person what Dreft is. They'd say, oh, it's a cleaning product. But um, I feel like in English, it sounds like an a feeling, an emotion... Mm. Um and it sounds exactly like what it is, which
1: is <sighs> experiencing the feeling everything is getting away from me. My soul is leaving my body. It's not too far away, it's only about ten feet away in the room, but it's still a little too far away for comfort. That's drift. I'm experiencing drift. That's drift, baby. So- so, so, of course, when you are experiencing drift, what better thing to do than to disappear into a TV show from the far-flung past of 2009. From just before the politics came back. Just before the politics. Um, right after what they described in an episode of Bones as the economic mess. You know,
0: the economic mess left to us by the do-nothing Democrats. The do-nothing
1: Democrats, my God. Mm. So, um, so this I'm, episode of Barnes... I'm,
0: I'm still thinking about how at the end of the first episode, a clown just walks up to Booth and he honks its nose and it goes back to Congress. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, gets in its little limo. Gets in its, <laughs> Off we go. Gets into its com car, as they're called here in Australia. Hmm? So it's a common Commonwealth-owned uh, <clears throat> and driven car. Oh, so that's you fun. A, you get yourself a nice, nice chauffeur-driven car. It's a com car. Definitely not a communism car. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well,
0: I, I, that's that's unless uh, Bill Joseph Stalin Shorten is driving it to go mm. do his favorite communist activity of putting a car bomb under every Toyota Hilux because uh, of racism.
1: That's right. And electric vehicles. An affront to God. Mm-hmm. That's right. But don't worry. Bill Shorten's long gone now. He's simply at home eating a pie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just at home eating a meat pie. Every now and then, his wife Chloe comes in and says, "Bill, please take off that shirt." is that shirt that says "Chloe Shorten's husband" on it, which is what he wore, I believe, either on election day or the day before. Yeah, because
0: yeah, obviously, because then Australia was about to become Chloe Shorten's husband. Oh boy! All right, shall we talk about Different times. season Different five, times. episode three? Episode
1: three. Uh, the the plane and the prodigy, yeah. the plane in the prodigy, I should say, yet again, they have um, helpfully given away most of the plot of the show in the title.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you think, oh. it, it, we're just sort of waiting, waiting to see sort of when they're going di- to... It's a dramatic irony. We're waiting to see when the investigation team of the procedural police drama is going to discover
1: what they've told us in the, in the title. So we uh, we open on some train tracks, and mm-hmm. the hot sun, and a bunch of bones scattered all over the place. <laughs> yep, yet again. You know, which uh, of course instantly makes me go, ah, the name of the show in the show. <laughs> I love when they show that the name of the show in the show. Like you That's get right. to see the bones from bones or the house from house. Yeah, as soon as uh, as soon as the bones appear on the train tracks, I'm doing the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing <laughs> meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: There are the bones. Bones. <laughs> yeah, the bo- you know the bones from the show Bones are actually very down to earth, and they'll always
1: take a picture with you if you see them. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But then who sh- who should appear on screen but Bones herself, the character, Bones. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're collecting a bunch of bones, um, and Booth says that, quote, the guy here says he was out doing routine track maintenance. Mm-hmm. Checks out. So I like the idea there are people walking around uh, all across the arterial network of train tracks in America. Just kind of looking around and going, yep, looking good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Got some sleepers. Still tracks. We got the the big railroad spikes. The hammer in there. Everything looks fine. Hey, what's with all these bones? He thought they were deer bones. Yes. Prompting bones to... Oh, yeah, I love this one. Very first line of the show. And she is already a precocious 13-year-old she is already the doogie Howser of bones when she says what human dentition is completely different another example of our country's deplorable education system possibly quite prophetic yeah that's
0: right and you know what i, I just remember what am i because i've come from the canadian education system which is better you know we had um, a class on on different uh, animal different mammalian dentition and sort of hmm. year four
1: you're immediately scoffing at this yeah idiot who thought it was a it was a <laughs> that mandible doesn't belong to a deer
0: yeah absolutely look it's far it's far too wide and there are too too many too wide molars jesus <laughs> no wonder you're no wonder your job is inspecting a railroad track
1: <laughs> you're never gonna get anywhere with that sort of molar identification skill yeah but um, I immediately had to pause the show here and confirm what I was looking at, which was that Booth was wearing a red belt buckle with the silhouette of a rooster and the word cocky on it. Now, we established in previous episodes, again, I have not seen any bones before mm-hmm. season five of the important season. Um, we established that Bones had had a, sorry, Booth had had a, a brain tumor yep. in, a, in a prior season. Um, it had been operated on. It had given him a case of coma brain, yep. when he descended into a coma. When he came out of the coma, some of his behaviors were different, and this was evidenced through him not wearing his usual <laughs> wacky socks and ties,
0: and also not being afraid of clowns and forgetting no how to being do afraid of clowns and forgetting how to do routine home plumbing.
1: Yes, um, <laughs> and-, and most of the things you forget when you go into a coma. Um, so the fact that he was wearing the belt buckle really encouraged me. Uh, and I thought maybe his case of coma brain is receding. <laughs> yeah, it was a prescription belt buckle. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, His doctor said, this is going to help. This is going to bring some things back to you. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I mean, that is basically like... I, I, one of my favorite uh, elements of this show, my two favorite characters, I think, in terms of just the ludicrousness they bring to the investigation... Uh, is Angela and Sweets
1: <laughs> because they yes.
0: both just make wild allegations based on clearly whatever the writers thought like minutes before they were supposed to go home and they were not getting over time. It'll be a
1: series of wild accusations in this episode.
0: It's <laughs> just like oh, yeah we could we could we could say that we could have Sweets like you know say something from you know psychology 101 and somehow conclude that like Booth being exposed to this belt buckle he used to wear when he before he got
1: coma <laughs> brain
0: was going to somehow bring back his personality.
1: So, um, so apparently, according to Bones, the level of decomp mm-hmm. suggests that the remains have been exposed to the elements for at least two months. Indeed. I am still struggling to understand what triggers the call to the Jeffersonian Institute Medico Legal Lab team. Uh, because in the very first episode that we watched out of the season, season five, um, the bodies were over 10 years old, mm-hmm. buried under a fountain. Yeah. Um, in the second episode, the body was two days old. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it is two months. So, so- while is, is it solely like uh, I looked at a skeleton and couldn't immediately figure out what was going on. So I called this one team.
0: Yeah. That's why there's
1: so many murders in DC.
0: <laughs> huh. Um, and they're also all in the D.C. area.
1: It's very convenient.
0: Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's, it's very strange. It feels like um, th- any murder that goes to the to so the Bone Squad is just um, a tricky one. You know, one where it wasn't, um, it wasn't immediately off- like, for example, um, someone getting killed in a prison, or someone mm-hmm. getting killed by police, or someone getting killed in like you know gang violence. None of that's interesting for the Bone Squad. They're only here it's to not. solve quirky murders.
1: Yeah, and it's not like... Um, I mean, maybe if the police front up and someone's been stabbed to death and the knife is still in them and the murderer is still holding the knife, that's pretty easy to sort out. <laughs> you don't need to call Bones and Booth to, you know, do decomp no. on that one. You can take care of that yourself. Yeah, they, um, they, they you don't need to get them around. to solve
0: tax fraud either. It's just
1: just this. Yeah. yeah. While they're looking around in these train tracks, um, Booth makes a startling revelation, which is, he says, and I'll quote... You know, when I was a kid, Bones, I always wanted to be a hobo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> who doesn't? Which, as far as aspirations go, riding the rails is... Um, you kind of get the feeling that most people who wind up with their possessions in a bindle riding the rails, it wasn't a first choice.
0: Yeah, like, how do you? how is your ambition to be a hobo and you settle for being... An FBI adjunct to the
1: Jeffersonian bone squad. Like, Nobody went to like an Ivy League institute for hoboing <laughs> or anything like that.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's actually what they call Cornell University. Am I right?
1: <laughs> like, wh-
0: Whoa! <laughs> uh, hire me, Harvard Crimson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's, uh, see, I, I, I actually captured that as well. Uh, because again there is because there's more dialogue that comes after that when he's like i always wanted to be a hobo ride the rails play guitar again play the guitar just buy a guitar and, and get a train ticket
1: well uh, but also i mean where where in the stereotype of the train riding hobo does playing a guitar come in
0: yeah it seems like more of a you might have a bindle um look at, at best at best, maybe you'll play a gut bucket with, like, nine of your friends, where you all get lifted into the air by the smell of pies. But uh, guitar, <laughs> I never really heard come into it. But then Bones... You never,
1: see, you never see the neck of a Steve Vai signature series Ibanez sticking out of a bindle.
0: No, you never see it. But what I like is that Bones' ne- uh, next line is, "And you could die of preventable diseases, <laughs> as though that's some kind of in- insight. The booth, to taboo thing.
1: Oh yeah, that's why I didn't become a hobo. Because too many of them die of preventable diseases. But yes, instead, yes, the he hobos just, are malnourished. Yeah. Um, as though this was something hobos just overlook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, I never um, considered that. Oh, I don't know why I spent my life aspiring to be a hobo. <laughs> 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 well, it's you can this, tell. You can tell, right? Like there are what I love most about bones.
0: It's not the lines that they meant to write that move the story forward, although sometimes those are very fun as well. It's the lines they don't need to write to move the story forward, but that they just need to, like, have to fill just the interest. fill in
1: a little space
0: yeah because you could because they don't think about them too much which means like it's clearly these are all first draft lines and so you'll get booth just sort of tossing off that he always wanted to be a hobo when he was a kid because they were like well they need to talk about something while well, they walk through the tracks and they we need to do, like give these characters depth anyway how about just have booth just say some throwaway shit and then it turns into something like really fascinating like the idea that you can aspire to be a hobo and play guitar on
1: a train well the thing that rounds out this exchange um booth claiming that he's always wanted to be a hobo (laughs) bones asserting that that is frankly ridiculous um (laughs) shooting down his dreams, his childhood dreams of being a hobo, the astronaut of the railway. <laughs> and this prompts the response from him that is spoken as though it is a thing anybody has ever said. Yeah. When he tells her, Bones, you could make Santa Claus cry. That's right. Yeah, she could. Y- you, know, you know that common expression, you yeah. could make Santa Claus himself the big, jolly red man. Crying. And also, this is set in the summer. <laughs> i what's, some hot, sweaty rail, <laughs> rail tracks.
0: What's? That? I mean, I suppose in Australia, right? But this is set in the summer in America, and it's supposed to be incredibly... Like, it's a plot point that it's ridiculously hot, so it's clearly like mid-July. What is he God. doing thinking about Santa?
1: Now... Bones isn't thinking about that. She's looking at the titular bones, and she says there is a bone cyst on this femur caused by the parasite, echinococcus granulosus. Mm-hmm. No, I now saw I that did...
0: actually. I didn't know if you were going ca- to
1: if if the if the viewer was going to catch that, but I
0: noticed before she said it.
1: Well, I did a little research into this, and um, echinococcus granulosus is known as the hyper tapeworm
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, or dog tapeworm which is a type of tapeworm that dogs get. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is passed on to them through intermediate hosts, which can be humans or livestock. Mm-hmm. So um, if you get it, it's not very cool you get these cysts. Um, but the way that it gets passed on is that um, people slaughter livestock that have it in and then they throw out the uh, the offal out of the livestock and then dogs eat the, li- <laughs> eat the offal, which has the eggs in it. And Mm -hmm. then they wind up with the tapeworm. Now, if you think that this is some kind of common problem that you're going to run into, uh, you have to practice proper disposal of carcasses and offal after you do your home slaughter. Because you could be uh, helping to complete the parasitic cycle and be putting communities uh, at risk of getting hobo cysts. (laughs) So just make sure... That when you, when you do cut uh, the offal out of a carcass, when you're doing your home slaughter, make sure you boil the livers and lungs, which contain the hytidid cysts, mm-hmm. um, for 30 minutes. And that is a simple, energy-efficient, time-saving way to kill the infectious larva inside those organs.
0: You did more research for this than they did for the show. I'm I've, willing. I've
1: found that I have been learning more by watching this show but not from the show itself. <laughs> Just checking into its wild claims. Um, now um, if you do hold on, if you do happen to accidentally get this type of cyst, uh-huh. this is a pu- this um, is public service broadcasting. It's pretty gross because the most common treatments uh, in the past have been surgical removal of the cysts. But the fluid inside the cysts contain antigens that can immunologically sensitize the host. So you should be very careful with manipulating the cysts because spilling the contents out can cause anaphylactic shock. So, so instead got, is, what is, they do... Is this yeah. the
0: character, the, the, the murder victim, is. are we just solving the murder of someone who was almost immediately going to die
1: of various preventable diseases? Well, it's possible. Um... <laughs> So I guess uh, the, the other treatment that's been invented recently is that you puncture the cyst and you suck out the liquids and you mix the liquid up with some chemicals and then shoot it back into the cyst. Hmm. Pretty cool, right? Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> uh, it's, that's
0: um, it's some homeopathy applied.
1: But the reason that the cyst is noteworthy is that it's, according to bones, incredibly rare. In a um, country with great medical treatment, North America. Yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. To, to have this happen. Meanwhile, we cut to Cam from the, the lab. The B-plot. Here we are for the B-plot. Um, Cam is walking along with uh, her, I guess, adopted oh yeah she's the so legal guardian of this girl my my girlfriend i haven't seen seasons one <laughs> through four of bones so
0: my girlfriend and her sister are big bones fanatics a couple of boneheads mm-hmm. and um they they said oh yeah cam adopts this girl when she's 16 um who is the daughter from another wife of her ex-husband who left her in an early episode but then she adopted the daughter and so it's a it's a whole step family situation. Right. So this is the kind of convoluted logic that leads to like X videos clips getting made. Like anytime it's like a whole step family that's um, all, you know, banging around the dinner table, uh, mm-hmm. th- it it requires this kind of logic, this sort of situation.
1: So yeah. um so like she's a, like a convoluted her... like a
0: convoluted late adoption of like your ex's child that they adopted from another marriage. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um so so the daughter's talking to her and saying, Hey, I want to go to like my my prom dance type thing with my boyfriend, and we wanna rent a limo and make a have an all-nighter out of it. And she's like, uh Hey, a uh, girl playing this character who might be 25, but is representing a 16-year-old. How are you going to be having an... What will you be doing on this all-nighter with your boyfriend? And she's like, I don't know what you mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at this point, um, her sexy boyfriend, Perry, pulls up in the car to pick him uh, to pick her up, revealing himself to be future big-time Hollywood star, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, Michael, Michael B. Jordan is here... Uh, before
0: he became a uh, killmonger, he was actually um, dating the da- that's actually how he became radicalized uh, against the West <laughs> and uh, the police generally was that um, he was dating the uh, the daughter of Cam and then eventually got like scared straight by the uh, by the police squad. and then he threatened, vowed revenge
1: <laughs> threatened by the imperialist FBI <laughs> from getting so this... uh, prevented
0: from getting pussy by <laughs> the Imperial FBI Tam.
1: Now, I know it's a very common thing for actors starting out to do, like, one-off guest slots in, like, a particularly but. this sort of network drama, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, over the preceding couple of years, uh, Michael B. Jordan had done guest spots on other extremely sort of primetime network TV shows, such as uh, Burn Notice, uh, Cold Case, Without a Trace, and CSI, mm. the, one of the other evidence shows. Um, but I also learned by looking into this that Michael B. Jordan's first ever credited performance was a whole ten years before his appearance on Bones in a different crime-focused TV show called The Sopranos. What? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Say
0: more immediately. Uh, well, I don't know what his role was.
1: But, okay. Um, uh, but that hey, was his first...
0: All, y- all you boneheads out there uh, in podcast land, if you can please identify who Michael B. Jordan was in The Sopranos, I would like to know, please.
1: Um, He, apparently, he played a Newark bully in a flashback scene involving a young Tony. Huh.
0: Ha- thank you, uh, Boneheads. You can call off the search.
1: <laughs> Andrew has told me. <laughs> uh, but there you go. So that was his very first appearance on a show in 1999. Mm-hmm. The Sopranos. I I really hope that it's like... um. It's like Bones being on Rick and Morty, where it is his character from Bones, just in another, t- <laughs> another TV show's universe. Yeah, the extended, and then we can say that, like, the, extended the Sopranos, and, yeah, Sorry, the ahead, Sopranos and Rick and Morty are in the same universe at that point. Yeah, it's all know?
0: connected through Perry.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's the extended Perry verse. But, uh, but that whole thing, very funny to me. Yes. Very and funny. What
0: I love, myself. actually, is, like, the. Is the use of the B plot, the way they put the B plot and the murder plot together, so that they'll frequently be like, Hmm, it seems that the 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 murder then the murderer, you know, cut off the top of his head and ate the brain. And then, you know, someone else will walk in and they will be like, Oh, did
1: you find someone to adopt your cat just in the same breath? It's great. Yeah. Uh so you know, she's she's concerned about the sexual activity of her mm-hmm. adopted stepdaughter. Um, but let's be honest. We would all like to sit in a red car and make out with Michael B. Jordan.
0: Mm, that's right. Uh, so,
1: um, we're back at the lab at this point, where apparently Hodgins's hair has like doubled in length since the last episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He just suddenly has like much longer hair. <laughs> oh, I've been calling him Hodges,
0: and a, a, a bonehead has pointed out that his name is Hodgins. So, mm.
1: sorry, everyone. Apologies. Uh, yeah. So much like the cyst, which was unusual for someone to get that in a, in a developed nation like America, um, they're pointing out lots of other things here. Like, hey, some of the remains had this clothing that seemed to be hand-stitched. What? Yeah. That thing that's he could almost be, impossible. He could be from
0: a developing country, or he could be one of those freaking Brooklyn hipsters.
1: <laughs> he yeah, seemed just to have been... Uh... trendy tapeworms. He's uh, been consuming unfluoridated water, so he could be from a developing country or he could be a San Francisco <laughs> venture capitalist.
0: <laughs>
1: um, it could it, it, literally all of the things that they that they
0: say about him that mark him off as someone who's like, oh, he's not from modernity. It's like really uh, all of this could just be um, it could just be a someone who's very got a very uh, trendy, trendy like tech entrepreneur lifestyle now i'm I'm sure that like there's at least one tech entrepreneur who's been told by someone that like you have to slaughter your own animals but do not boil the liver and lungs for 30 minutes after you do it because that's where all the nutrition is and that's how you're going to be able to do javascript better and then they gave themselves these strange tapeworms
1: (laughs) well they say that there are no bone markers to indicate contact with modern life and yet isotopic analysis of his bone Mm -hmm. matches the geology of the mid-atlantic states and i would love to know what that means (laughs) it means he was eating stones duh oh now we get the uh the credits the theme song (laughs) at this point which we all method yeah i i again this is another also side note
0: what's with the name of the crystal method is it a reference it's surely it's a reference to crystal meth but
1: why Cause uh, it sounds pretty cool, pretty edgy, you know. Ah, uh, yeah. Are they from Las Vegas?
0: They are from Las Vegas. Huh? Yeah, they are from Las Vegas. It's so <laughs> it's so odd. Um, it's so it's just it's so strange to just be a couple of 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 <laughs> just a couple of white guys from Las Vegas who like rap and DJ and to just call yourself the Crystal Method. Very odd.
1: Uh, Here we go. Um, While working as a production duo for a rapper, a person named Crystal would handle transportation needs. The rapper repeatedly referred to her method of transportation as the Crystal method. Hmm. The pair adopted the name based on the layout of the three words and the sound of the name. (laughs) The the pair adopted (laughs) the name because of how it sounded. That's, That's one reason. To, to have a name yes oh <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's imagine it, imagine explaining the reason you named your kid <laughs> um well you see it's mainly because i liked the sound of the name when i said it out loud that's I just, we, a lot of the thinking went into that
0: but that's just i think there is something ineffable and this is something that i can't capture right now and i think it's something we're gonna work out as this show goes on There's something strange about the period of time between 2007 and 2012. There is something weird about the culture of the first Obama term, where you would, like, this, because this was the time of monsters. This was the time of wearing a suit vest and, like, and dark wash jeans. This was the time of extremely skinny ties worn casually. It was the time of keys to the VIP and, um, and... Neil Strauss' The Game and, you know, calling your, and calling your band The Crystal Method
1: or, you know... Keys to the VIP fucking yeah.
0: hell. Yeah, it, this was, it, was the, it was the time of monsters. And I feel as though having an edge, like, a sort of ass, an, an acid electronica duo from Las Vegas who's called The Crystal Method because they're like, hmm, pretty cool, somehow indica- it, it, it gives me a feeling of that time in particular as though this is slowly becoming a pop cultural era before our eyes i just haven't figured out what marks it out yet other than just strangeness
1: well um after building up a bit of strangeness in the opening of this this episode where we've gone hey it's like the this these bones appeared out of time it's like they have magically been transported here from from somewhere in the distant past we then have the credits and get to hear um, the Crystal Method theme song, after which they immediately reveal that the kid is Amish. Mm-hmm. So they just find kind of out ruined the whole thing yeah, they, that they, they had been building up.
0: They find out during the theme song. Yes. Um, it would be very. I mean, here's here would be a more interesting show. What if they were trying to solve the mystery of where he was from, and the reveal was that he was Amish, as opposed to including that as part of the setup.
1: Um, So, you know, they they figured out that he was a kid that went missing, um, that he was on his rumspringer, Mm -hmm. uh, to which Booth says, his what? His (laughs) fucking what? (laughs) Like he's never heard anything weirder in his whole life. As though
0: Bones has just started making up words. However, you've you've skipped over one piece of dialogue from B-Plotland just after the theme song that I quite enjoy. Which is uh, Cam is now trying to wrestle with this idea of should she allow her daughter to have her adopted teenage daughter that she adopted at 16 to have sex at the same age, which is 16. Um, And so Bones walks in and just says, Is that a cartoon rendering of a penis in your book? To which Cam says, I guess it is. And Bones says, It's cute, but why is it talking? Does that indicate to you that Cam is reading a sex book, like a, a book explaining sex? for a child and has never herself had sex or understand what it how it works
1: uh yes either that or she's thinking about her 16 year old ward having sex while drawing an anthropomorphic penis (laughs) and maybe imagining what it might say yeah
0: of course uh so again this is just again morally like let's fill in the b plot let's fill out the characters let's have them talk let's make them real but because they don't think about it, you end up with an exchange that heavily implies that Cam, while thinking about whether or not her daughter should have sex, is sort of focusing her mind by either drawing or looking at a drawing of a talking cartoon penis.
1: <laughs> Truly visualizing <laughs> the whole scenario. <laughs> hmm. So, um. Interesting. So, you know, they've determined that he's Amish. Um, yeah. Bones describes what Rumspringer is to Booth, who responds, That's
0: crazy! Including, by the way, um, this exact stats of how many uh, of 85% of people who go on Rumspringer returning to the religion, indicating once again that this show is partly written by Wikipedia.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so they find the parents, so they say, Hey, your kid's mad, Ted. Uh, he's dead one, and he's Amish. One, one more I don't quote. know if you knew this about his son, but he's... Uh... <laughs> he's wicked Amish. <laughs> there's one more quote that
0: we've missed that I want to go over, which is uh, when Bones says, I don't I don't comment on the ridiculousness of your religion. And then Bo- Booth says, I don't want to hear about the Pope's hat again. He's got to wear it, like those guys outside Buckingham Palace. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's got to wear the hat, Bones. <laughs> I do, oh. I, I, again, the little throwaway lines of dialogue. So wait... Has Bones been lecturing Booth about how illogical
1: the Pope's hat is? There's been a lot of Pope hat-focused yeah. conversations between these two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. See, I, ju- I, just, I just love these little implications. But we got Bones to talk about. Please carry on.
1: So we meet the Amish parents. We inform them that their son is both Amish and dead. <laughs> um, they're sad, and they they say, can we, can we come in and see his room? And yes. they go... And there's some, you know, very, very sad, poignant music. I do want to point out that the Amish parents are not at all trying on the accent front. Mm-hmm. Just, nope. <laughs> they just sound very normal. Yeah, they're, just, and, they're um, just
0: people with beards and bonnets. And otherwise, they're talking like uh, they are jobbing actors who live in Baltimore.
1: It's, uh, it is, however, very funny hearing like poignant music playing as two tearful Amish people lead the FBI into their dead son's bedroom oh. while theme song written and performed by the Crystal Method <laughs> flashes up <laughs> on the screen. Well, there's, there's, one, there's one intercut, though, where they cut back to the office
0: before Bones and Booth actually make it to the room. Uh, and we get to do another of my favorites, uh, favorite segments, which is slowly becoming a segment on this show, which is where Angela uses computer magic to do something just entirely normal before doing computer magic to do something entirely impossible. In this case, she's using computer magic to look at Google Maps to say, "Mm, (laughs) yes, I've identified that the trains are, there are junctions here, here, and here, and the trains run this way and that way. And it's like, yes, Google
1: Maps. You've used Google Maps. You didn't didn't really need the supercomputer for that, which for some reason you can only operate via a big tablet. Yeah, that's right. So um, they have a look around in the room, and they find that the kid has a bunch of rocks under his bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Booth says, "Better send them to sweets, mm-hmm. uh, because only a psychologist could understand the significance of a rock collection." And I was That's immediately right. very excited <laughs> to understand how sweets would, um, would influence the plot further on. Oh yeah. They're really, really leaning on the extremely poignant uh, music. Like the very loud, poignant music cues to to like really hammer home the the quiet dignity of the simple Amish people.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And as they leave, um, there is a young Amish girl whose dad uh, or someone Mm -hmm. is is quite sus about them. Yeah, I said father or
0: boyfriend or some kind of male relation in a horse-drawn cart. And then they peel out in a horse-drawn cart.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the parents have informed them that their son was on his rumspringer and he went with a friend. They were going to do their rumspringer together. They have found the identity of this friend and they've got his address. Mm-hmm. And they go off uh, this to apartment. This is probably my favorite part of the episode. Yeah. Me too. Because <laughs> they find um, young Yosef. They knock on the door where they're greeted by, I guess, what we would describe as like a young magician pickup artist. <laughs>
0: He's wearing all Ed Hardy. He has nine chains. His hair is spiky, and he's having like a weed party because he's carrying a bong to
1: answer the door.
0: And then he's wearing lis- a
1: short sleeve T shirt with a black waistcoat over the top. That's what I was talking about. It's the time of monsters. It got um, it all going on. But they're also kid.
0: they're also like listening to the music from like a 2013 commercial for like not this is not your dad's crossover hatchback. <laughs> and, and and like there are a bunch of a bunch of girls in bonnets just like making out with guys dressed <laughs> like a pick like pickup
1: artists and then I joseph know he's, i don't know why he's a cool um magician pickup artist but they're all just dressed as amish girls still <laughs> well they've just arrived in rumspringa
0: they haven't had a chance to get hmm. their i assume what like denim cutoffs yet but the other thing i love
1: about Joseph is that he has a
0: surfer accent
1: Yes, he's, like he's given himself California guy yeah, accent.
0: Yeah. He's moved from uh, Amish country to D.C. for some reason to do his rum Springer. He's moved to D.C. so he we can well, I don't know have like an overcooked burger, um, and then has adopted a California accent and starts smoking weed all the time, uh, and it is just, it's it's incredible again this like their view of what a party is. So good. Just a, just a, just, a um, just a
1: pot party being held by an Amish surfer pickup artist. He's, he's, of course, so high that he doesn't even care that the FBI are there saying, Sir, you seem to be holding a bong. <laughs> uh, and you are a religious minority, so we will be imprisoning you for 40 years. <laughs> he's not worried about this at all, but they drag him out of there. And they need to go and interview him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he kind of explains, hey... You know, I'm into my thing, um, showing card tricks to young <laughs> Amish girls, uh, smoking weed. And he actually says, "He was. Th- I was thinking
0: about how in the future I wouldn't want to smoke weed." Damn, that's so true, that's man. So cool,
1: uh, good guy. Uh, he is doing his California surfer shit, and dude, and I back find... in Amish country, you can't even smoke weed, <laughs> bro. I told my dad it comes from the earth. Um, <laughs> this is this is uh, this is, uh, this is just Judge Brad's kid. Now there is a recurring theme here, um, yeah. which started off with the extremely overbearing, poignant music for the Amish parents, which is that every Amish person that they speak to um, reveals themselves to be a person of quiet dignity and and completely pure morals.
0: Including this pickup artist.
1: Yes, yes. He, he eventually comes to say, hey, you know, I would never betray my friend um, and tell his parents anything that he was doing. That said, he did often disappear for a long time. But hey, because I'm actually a good person, I just have to get all... All, all the wild out yeah. on my rumspringer and then I will return to the church. I always knew that I would return to the church. Yeah, I just but... need to like have I, I need to I need to have two or three more pot parties where I can like
0: debonnet a bunch of girls and then back I go to, you know, um do home slaughtering of animals and I will never boil the liver and lungs for thirty minutes. Love, Love getting a
1: look under that bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <Ooh>. <sighs> So, um, so you know, he actually reveals himself to be both a, a loyal friend and quite righteous in the fact that he knows that he's going to go back to the church yeah, and, and live right like, by his family and everything. You know? off, off you go back to your pot party. But he has given them some clues, which is that this kid would disappear all the time for hours at a time and nobody ever knew where he went. Hmm. Um, now, earlier on in the lab, they sent this guy, Clark, um, out to, they said, hey, put on your overalls, get out in the field and start collecting a bunch of evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, oh, well, uh, a, a black guy in overalls walking along the railway tracks, not a great look, which is the first of this one kind of joke. <laughs> <laughs> now, now he's come back for some reason. He has, has come back and traipsed straight into the lab still wearing his overalls, and covered from head to toe in dirt. Yep, that's um, right. It's all over his face. It's all over his overalls. He has not bothered to take the overalls off, to get changed, maybe go in the bathroom, splash mm-hmm. a bit of water over his face, Mm-mm. get some of this dirt off. Um, now... He gets told, you, you're probably going to have to go out and look for some more evidence, because we've only got Some of the Bones. Yes, and that's right. you know what the name of the show is. Yeah.
0: It's, it, hey, it's not called Some of the Bones. Yes. It's called it's Bones. Not called,
1: not called Incomplete Bone Collection. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, um, Clark says, puts on a southern accent and says to Bones, Well, is it all right if I get a drink of water, boss? You know, it's uh, awful hot out there, and them tools is mighty heavy. And uh, Bone says, yes, you can get water. Why are you talking like that? And he says, never mind. And they play a fun little musical cue. Yeah. To show that the interaction that just took place was quirky. (laughs) I would love just
0: to like um, imagine just, okay. If I could get like a make a wish or something, it would be to go and sit in on a, a writing session, like a writer's room of the show bones or a table read or whatever I want to know what these people are doing and saying and thinking I want to know what the conversation was that led to them being like well let's just make a um, slavery or prison chain gang joke here um, let this seems like a good idea anyway who wants lunch unfortunately we only had two minutes to think of something for them to say here so we did the first thing we thought of and didn't think about it more that's fine, we'll use a music cue to tell them what it was
1: so um, that's the end of that uh, they just get the fuck out of there mm-hmm. so due to the as soon as they um, as soon as they established that he was disappearing for a bunch of time now wait a second i need to I need to to figure something out here yeah, i'm looking yeah, yeah. at my notes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and where do we f- oh we've missed something we've missed something i'm sorry in the order which was we got the 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 box of rocks mm-hmm. it got back to the lab and we've got um hodgins he's he's Talking a big game about what he's going to be able to discern from these rocks. And as he goes on and on, Sweets is there. Mm -hmm. And he's just quietly doing something with these rocks. Yeah, he's doing a little psychology. He does a little psychology and he rearranges them all and he says, Actually, this bunch of rocks, some of which are light in color and some of which are dark, represent the keys of a keyboard. You can see that I've laid them out into the sequence of keys. That, a, that, that would be on a piano. Yep. Perfectly Therefore, obvious. Therefore, Perfect that kid reasoning. played piano. Yeah, that's right. Per- absolutely airtight. And um, of course, it wouldn't have been possible without Sweets's powerful empathy. Mm-hmm. That's right. In which he was able to look and say, what things might be in the heart of a dead teenage Amish kid that I never <laughs> met? <laughs> I'm g- I'm going to
0: you using some using the power of just making stuff up. <laughs> I'm going to say he was a piano player. Yep.
1: And due to um due to you know moving the plot along, they've said well they live near a small town and every small town has at least one piano teacher. Go yeah, and that's get actually, me that piano teacher.
0: That is a um that's actually a management consulting case study interview. <laughs> How many piano teachers per small town? And the correct answer is just
1: at least one. At least one. At least one. Greater than one. Yes. Um, So they do track down the piano teacher who informs them that this Amish kid was a musical prodigy, an Amish piano prodigy. Prodigy. -hmm. Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. Mm -hmm. Prodigy. That's right. And um, as they're talking to the piano teacher, Booth is talking to her, Mm -hmm. and, um, and she says... This was the last thing Levi sent me. They've got some recordings of Levi playing the piano. Mm-hmm. So. This was the last thing Levi sent me. He wanted me to know that he had made friends and they were helping him to audition for the National Conservatory. Yeah, he seemed right. so excited. Now, I've got a clip here of the song. <laughs> yes, please. That, that, that Levi <laughs> is playing at this point in the video. And I want to note that this is all framed as being very sad. A young man has lost his life not just a young man but a gifted prodigy who just Mm. had a you know a wonderful gift that he wanted to share with the world and it's been snatched away and it's unfair and it's incredibly sad and here is a video of the song he is playing it's uh. very funny to me <laughs> by the crystal to... method <laughs> it's very it's very funny to me to be mourning somebody's death and then play a clip of scott joplin's maple leaf rag
0: yeah well no but like a a, a a good writer and director could pull off the contrast between the happiness and up up the upbeat almost silliness of the song and the morbidity of the situation a good writer <laughs> Hart Hansen's capabilities <laughs> it is beyond god god <laughs> almighty that was so funny as soon that's, as they came in great. with
1: that I was cackling I, I lot. St- because
0: well, that's the thing like this episode it, it, it is not it's not like it's not as high concept strange as the previous two right but It has all of the same bizarre leaps that you need to do to make a high-concept strange episode. Like, it's believable that, like... You could be solving, I'm sure that like you could reasonably be solving the murder of an Amish person as a crime lab somewhere like that. That makes sense to me as plausible in the world in a way that, ah, well, it was this submarine cult, of course, doesn't seem plausible. And yet, they're still not able to make any of the individual elements within the story remotely plausible or reasonable.
1: No, and... not at all. Now, of course, we have come to one of the points where um, we need, <clears throat> where we need uh, Angela and her supercomputer that can only be operated via tablet yeah, to just course. really help move things along. Uh, again, this is because
0: this, this is another uh, Angela Tech segment, and the, and they always it just, it's wildly oscillating between I'm using my supercomputer to super Google stuff, and I'm using my supercomputer to do plot magic.
1: Yes, and this one, of course, like all of these, has both of them together in very close sequence. <laughs> first of all, she uses the supercomputer tablet to um, listen to the recording and hear a very audible train whistle. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so well, she's,
0: first, she... sorry, first what they do is the visible, the the visual. Oh, you've so got the got train to... whistle. Yeah, the train whistle comes
1: second. So first, they
0: say, well. What we're going to do is we're going to, of this overexposed video that's not showing any of the detail of the other buildings at all, we're going to scan this against architectural, we're going to scan the visible building against an architectural diagram
1: of every building in the DC area. Yes, they're trying to match all of these features together. And she's saying, Mm -hmm. well, of course I can identify that this is a building in this area, but lots of other buildings around there have the same sort of features. Mm -hmm. I need more detail. At this point, she recycles a plot point from the, what, 1992 movie The Fugitive and says, hey, I hear a thing on the recording. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is the whistle of a train. Yeah, And... She says she isolates the the visual of the train whistle for no particular mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she says, architecturally, these buildings could be in one of six neighborhoods. But yeah. this building here is the only one that's right next to the train track. Now, there is no way that she can determine this from the audio. Yeah. But let's ignore that. And also says, what
0: what on earth kind of train track goes through a densely populated neighborhood with lots of houses but only has one house next to the train track it doesn't if you think about it for a second yeah, it makes no sense yeah for even a second <laughs> it's it's it is it's again examples that like one of the key grand unifying theories of Bones season 5 is that this is a show where they write the first draft and then say well that'll do that's good well we, hey you know what It hangs together within the logic of the show.
1: Now, you say that, but you haven't let me finish her sentence here. (laughs) Yes, of course. Go ahead. So first we got to, could be in one of six neighborhoods. Then we got to, this building is the only one that's right next to the train tracks. But then she says, I'll triangulate the structures outside of the windows Mm -hmm. and bingo, there's the apartment building. So, it's the only building that is next to these train tracks, isolating itself. But also, there are apparently enough buildings around it to be able to see through the windows and triangulate its position. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't know what the train whistle had to do with that. If it's like, hey, there's a clock tower on one side and there's um, there's a big BP service station on the other side. I can see that this would be in position to let you see both of those things. You didn't need to hear the train whistle or know about the train track to figure that out nope. with Google Maps.
0: Like I said, first draft. <laughs> first draft.
1: So his fellow musical students from the video have been found. Mm-hmm. Um, a very funny line to me is when Karen, who is one of the couple that, uh, that was helping him realize his musical dream says, and th- this is very integral to the plot as well, mm-hmm. I had this gold medal, not real gold, just something i'd wanted a music competition when i was a kid but to levi it was the most beautiful thing ever so i gave it to him for good luck i guess it didn't work very well (laughs) yep on account of him being (laughs) dead being being murdered by someone (laughs) bad luck got murdered damn uh and she also says in the course of this interview a few days before levi was supposed to audition i went to the apartment and when i left I saw a full-on Amish guy heading towards the building. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, number one, this raises the enticing prospect that you can be partially Amish.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, you can <laughs> maybe just the beard, yeah, just, just the beard, hat. and the pants, uh, mm-hmm. just the beard and the pants, Ed Hardy shirt. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, me? That's it. No, I'm not full-on Amish. Yeah. I'm mostly Amish. <laughs> yeah exactly Uh, i'm um, I'm only
0: amish on weekends
1: so we get more extremely poignant music because the parents learned their son was a prodigy uh and on the drive back
0: but this is this is um this is controversial because music you're not allowed to make music in the amish amish world so all the amish people they talk to about it uh are, are all like having to reckon with the fact that he's brilliant but he's brilliant at something forbidden
1: um So, while they are driving back from here, we get another bit of wonderful um, accidental character development Mm -hmm. of Bones, which is um, they start talking about uh, Cam and her situation with her adopted daughter and whether or not she should be having sex at 16. Booth reveals that he had sex at 16, um, but that this girl shouldn't be having sex at 16 due to the patriarchy. And... Uh, Bones says Bones reveals at this point that she was a virgin until the age of
0: 22
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Booth is shocked but she says it was an important decision I gave it a lot of thought I finally found a man who could provide a skillful introduction Mm -hmm. and this suddenly made me feel very strongly that there needs to be a young Sheldon type young Bones prequel show for Bones
0: (laughs) young Bones (laughs) Bones Oh,
1: (sighs) so um, we find out they get contacted by an Amish girl. Says she only wants to speak to Booth. Mm -hmm. Um, And it turns out it was the girl from the start with the aggressive um, male that was with her. Um, It turns out that she had been uh, courting Mm -hmm. with a dead Amish kid, Levi. Um, She told her brother Amos about it. He was the cranky guy from the start. And unfortunately, she feels that perhaps in a crime of passion, defensive passion, her mm-hmm. brother Amos may have committed the crime. Yeah. And you know what that means. It means that it's time for fucking wild speculation. <laughs> That's right. So, we're back in the lab. Where we're going to do some more magic science. Up. Oh, yeah. Now, I've decided that for these segments, I really do have to have all of the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Together, because this this is now my favorite part of the episode. <laughs> oh, for which sure. Which is about my favorite two-thirds. Bit, my, I say yeah. my favorite bit is when they identify dust that
0: was unique to one particular dubster, but I'm going to let you take us away.
1: So, um, they're in the lab. They're wrapping it up, you know. They're, they're putting the, the cause of death together. Um, For some reason, in turn, Clark is still there, and he's still in his filthy overalls and covered in grime. Mm-hmm. Take a fucking shower, dude. <laughs> um, so Angela says, we may have cause of death that may have doing a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah. Oh Karen yeah. Lynn's apartment, so Karen is is the girl from the couple that yep. he was staying with. They've triangulated mm-hmm. its location, etc. <laughs> yeah, Karen Lynn's apartment is on the fourth floor of the building. Underneath mm-hmm. the balcony in the alley is a dumpster. Mm-hmm. Now to Hodgins. I swabbed the paramortem fractures on the victim's skull and I found a powder coating similar to the type used on industrial strength dumpsters. You know they powder the dumpster before it leaves the factory. Duh this ain't this ain't your daddy's um, domestic dumpster. You know those you know those not very strong uh, dumpsters that you have inside your house. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the, the ones that you use in a house or maybe a small store.
1: No, what no. What the no. fuck is an industrial strength dumpster? So Clark then says. <laughs> it's a dumpster. Identified... It's just
0: marketed to men.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I identified the perimortem ring fracture on the base of the skull, as well as the corresponding damage on top of the spinal column. Those injuries indicate that the victim fell from Karen Lynn's balcony and landed head first on the lid of the dumpster, mm-hmm. thereby severing his spine. Back to Hodgins with FBI techs confirm that the dumpster has a dent consistent with our scenario, yeah. as well as residue of dried blood on the steel, which matches Levi Yoda.
0: It was good luck. There was no like, you know, rain. Yes. Uh, you know, there was, he couldn't possibly, could, none of that could
1: possibly have happened another way. <laughs> like the idea that you could, that you could bang your head on like a piece of powder coated steel. And a bunch of it would come off and be stuck onto like the hair, I guess, around the yeah. crown of your head. While all this is happening, Angela is, of course, playing a rendered three D imagining of this mm-hmm. scenario in which he falls headfirst on the balcony. Yeah, it's uh, it's and like
0: speech to text; it's just speech to scenario.
1: So they've decided at this point that he has been pushed out of the window and mm-hmm. murdered. <clears throat> it's also time to resolve the Michael B plot. Yes. Um, now she's uh, Cam is asking, "Does Michael B. Jordan want to have sex with you?" Mm-hmm. Uh, to her her stepdaughter, adopted daughter. Oh, she I, says, I no. captured the line. Uh, she <laughs> oh, says, oh, me too, me
0: too. <laughs> okay, let's let's yeah. say it at the same time on three to see if we captured the same one. Oh, one. On. Okay. <laughs>
1: she says, "No, he wants to. He's not pressuring me or anything, but I'm scared. Is that weird?" I mean, here we go. It's just, it's just sex, sex, right? right? It's, it's all all, all over, over the, the TV, TV and everywhere. <laughs> and everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I found I found this show suddenly became powerfully conservative in this moment. <laughs> it's all over the TV and everywhere. It's all over the TV. That's how you know sex is normal.
0: Yeah, it's on TV. It's on television. Having
1: right. It. My God. Um, So she's like, oh, thank goodness. She's not fucking yet. So everything's fine. Now we're back Mm -hmm. at the lab again. Yes. In which they realize, I feel like there's another theme here, which is that um, they they discover a piece of evidence. They form a complete theory along with a murder suspect out of that. Mm -hmm. And then about two minutes later, they notice one more piece of evidence and form a completely different theory.
0: Well, actually, because we've missed one, which is Amos in the interrogation room who admits that when he was the prime suspect, he was like, yeah, I grabbed and shook Levi when he said he was abandoning his sister to go to the conservatory. But then Levi got free of me and started playing Claire de Lune, which is the song from Ocean's Eleven. And Amos was like, I couldn't kill him. I knew it was a gift from God.
1: (laughs) I've never heard anything more magical. And of course, we return to the theme from earlier that the Amish man who had been suspected of committing a violent murder is in fact revealed to be a morally just and pure man.
0: And and that um, the
1: new suspect
0: is Karen from the Flatshare, who was is... jealous of his success.
1: And the reason, the, the, the way that we get there, it's great. Yeah. So they also discover, apparently they, I guess, haven't fucking looked at the body <laughs> at any point, they haven't like they just look at the bones as they come in. I guess, uh-huh. yeah. And they've discovered that his hand was broken before his audition, mm-hmm. um, triggering wild speculation round two. <laughs> so, uh, so Clark says whatever injured him was most likely a flat object with a straight edge. And mm-hmm. Angelo asks, "How much force would it take to do something like that?" Bones replies, "Hmm." About 120 pounds per square inch in yep. pure speculation. And it's beautiful. Absolutely,
0: And as we all know there's only one thing in the entire world that could
1: do that. That's right. And Angela um, taps on her computer on her little tablet for about one-eighth of a second uh-huh. before com- completing a rendering of a... <laughs> of a keyboard lid slamming on a hand and says hey the keyboard lid could have exerted that much force um i don't know how she has rendered this thing in 3d quite so quickly bone says there was only one place available at the conservatory tony was already in but levi was competing with karen for the spot
0: time to formulate a murder a murder suspect based on some
1: stuff we guessed Angela says that that means she had motive to try and sabotage his audition. She accidentally injures him, hoping that he'll slink back to Amish country. And when that doesn't work, she kills him. Dun, dun. So once again, now a second ago, we were very sure that, you know, someone else had, had mm. murdered him. But now his hands has been broken. Therefore, it must have been a rival yes. keyboard player.
0: <laughs> now before we go so this we're, we're we're sort of nearing the end of the uh, of the episode which is weird cuz usually like you it'd be wrapped up at this point but uh they haven't wrapped it up yet so let's first wrap up the B plot which is Perry just comes to the crime lab he just comes to visit
1: hey i'm here at the crime lab it's me michael b jordan <laughs> it's, uh, it's
0: me you know i'm allowed in this crime lab because i'm dating someone who i'm the, i'm the boyfriend of uh, the adopted daughter of the boss of the crime lab, so I can come into the crime lab.
1: And much like you said, this is a scenario where um, the B-plot has helpfully just arrived uh, at the lab. Mm -hmm. So, now, we had, for some reason, these strangely unresolved... Little bit of plot before where Clark has made a few references to being uncomfortable with the idea of being out on the railroad tracks collecting this evidence in overalls. Um, he touches on the idea that I guess this makes him feel like a slave, um, and this is completely ignored. We never return to this. No, this is a c however, pl- a mere a mere hint of a c plot. Yes. Um, however, what is meant to be funny is. Booth meeting uh, Perry, the, mm. the young boyfriend, and saying, oh, you're um, you're this girl's uh, boyfriend. I'm basically an uncle to her. I am in the FBI, and I am a trained sniper. Yeah. I will um, police murder you. I will police murder you, a young black man, <laughs> if you treat her with anything less than the utmost respect.
0: Yeah. And and again, the the quirky pizzicato funny music is playing. Well, again, they have this FBI agent basically saying to a young black man, "I will fucking murder you.
1: I will murder you, and I will get away with it." <laughs> uh, definitely played for comedy in this. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love you, Bones, season five. Oh my! Goodness. And then that
0: means so. Then they all walk in, and Michelle, unbeknownst to the murder threat that has been issued to her boyfriend from the FBI, says, "Are you ready for the movie?" Then Perry, terrified for his life, having just been threatened with death by the FBI, who said, "I will get away with it," says, oh, "Just a movie,
1: just a movie. I will not be touching anybody's vagina. Yeah, you know, lest I'm killed with impunity
0: by the FBI." So, but then, so you know he's not. Um, so you know he's like not a thug, of course. Bones says, "By the way, congratulations on Princeton."
1: Oh yeah, yeah. you'll be going to Princeton. Yes, C- congratulations. Unless we murder you unless you get murdered. <laughs> so, I, from from the Boney Island Whitefish, I'd like to issue a congratulations to Perry for
0: getting into Princeton.
1: Yes. Now, at this point, they interview Karen mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, you fucking bitch." You clearly murdered your friend. <laughs> you, you murdered the shit out of this guy. We know because we guessed. And she says, uh, actually, I'm from a very wealthy family that is basically on the board of the school. I'm going to be getting in no matter what. And yeah. I was trying to help this guy, yeah. my friend.
0: He's like, Don't, I uh, couldn't have killed him. My family's rich.
1: Now, she says, you know, I figured I figured he'd gone because uh, his cash, his cash wasn't there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: His cash wasn't there, mm-hmm. and I figured he had just moved on. That's you know, right. Something had happened. He'd gone back to the farm. Now, at exactly this moment in the episode, the writers realize <laughs> that the episode has to end at some
0: point. <laughs> I love this. this is my they favorite. They realize
1: thing. they realize they are through ninety nine percent of their runtime. But as we have established, they do not do second drafts. <laughs> no, <they do> not <laughs> And so Booth says, "Hey, wait a minute." She was talking about the cash, but we never found any cash there. What if it was just about cash the whole time? And he gets up and runs out of the room and Bones is like, huh? And then he just walks back in with some young guy and says, yep, this is him. A thief who had stolen a bunch of things in the same apartment building and has confessed to his murder. Anyway, dusting hands off the anyway. Plate. That's enough of that.
0: <laughs> what was the point of this entire episode? It's fucking.
1: It's fucking absurd. <laughs> oh, Austin's awesome. like, yeah. Mm,
0: well, it could be all. The, it's it's all of these wild theories and guesswork that they make murder convictions on based on, in, in subsequent episodes. Were just shown to be nothing more than wild theories and guesswork
1: just just insanity and like i love that the guy just comes in and goes yes i did murder that young man it was me who stole all of these things and they (laughs) confirm they confirm that this guy (laughs) they also confirm that this guy has like pawned um things that he's stolen from other houses in the area but that he also attempted to pawn the like world's greatest piano player gold medal that this girl won in a school competition a decade ago. Yeah, foolishly right. thinking it was made of real gold.
0: Fool. Ah, uh, yeah. And so we just saw, yeah. It's just, it's in the end, it was... And again, a, good writers and directors could pull off something about the just random, unfeeling world that sort of chewed up and spat this guy out with sort of no compunction. It was just the sheer force of
1: a shitty world but hart hansen but instead bones is like i guess sometimes it's just a regular motor huh <laughs> anyway they're like crystal yep. method <laughs> just awesome wonderful wonderful awesome. it could not have been more transparent that they kind of got to the end and went oh fuck <laughs> fuck yes, yes. we haven't we've accidentally we've done our wild speculation and then we've done the thing where 20 seconds after deciding who did the murder and how um we've also found out that that's why they didn't do it (laughs) but we've done that with all of our suspects
0: Fuck. well we can't do a second draft
1: i don't do second drafts i don't do second drafts declared kareen rosenthal the writer of episode three of season five of bones (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, anyway, that's all for that's all for now. Let's just make it a random. Bra- and it, they try to like make it into a statement about about modernity and society. Like, I wonder if this justifies removing yourselves from the world. But again, they clearly just forgot to end the show, and then we're like, uh, yeah, it was a guy,
1: it was some guy, just some guy. <laughs> truly wonderful, uh, truly wonderful stuff. And, and that... that is the very, very abrupt end. To season three, episode five of Bones, the plane. Season five, the episode prodigy. three. <laughs> season five, episode three. I told you no season three shit. We will never be watching season three. Too grounded. Too grounded. No, instead, we're going to keep it right here. And, you know, you really got to enjoy the fact that this is one of the more sensible episodes of the season. Yeah, well, like I said, it's, it's, it's not high concept, but it has all of the wild jumps you'd need
0: to make a high concept episode work.
1: And I truly love... Um... Oh, God, God, this show. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, ah. who knows? Who knows what to even say? Indeed. About bones.
0: Except, hey, thank you for subscribing on Patreon to Buntavista and/or Trash Future.
1: Um, don't forget to listen to the
0: rest of the shows, and thank you for listening to the Boney Island Whitefish.
1: Thank you. I'm going to go away and just try and just try and process what I've yeah. seen. You know, just try and you, think about bones. You just have to admire um, people who manage to get paid for a job. This is the this is the whitewashing defense of paid TV. <laughs> writing jobs somehow you got paid to do it and just turned this in and somebody said all right see you next week yeah Yeah, see you next week time for another episode of bones but um beautiful as it is we'll see you next week as it is now
0: it is now the morning i must put on my hat and commence my toils
1: regrettable indeed well thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time see you next week
0: bye